coming through. Yeah. Give us a wave. Yes. Excellent. 30% of you are here. That's very good. The other 70%, I know they're really lovely people and deserve your attention and focus, but it'll have to wait till the end of church. How are you all doing? Are you well? Yeah, some of you are not sure. It's great to see you this morning. I know, my name's Ben. I'm one of the team here, and we are continuing a series in Paul's letter written to the Ephesians. Have you ever had any building work on your house that's gone wrong? Yes. Uh, we certainly have. Um, maybe there's a, there's a great plan uh, or design, but if it's not followed through, then it starts to become messy, uh, it starts to get expensive. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, should we have a response time right now? Yeah, some of you need prayer. Um, that's partly why we've called this series Blueprint, because Paul, in his letter, has been giving a very clear explanation of the gospel, and then... Uh, giving us a blueprint, giving us instructions for how to build our lives on those truths of the gospel. You may have seen some buildings where something's gone wrong, where not, they haven't quite worked out maybe the way it was planned. I know a building where they'd laid out the flights of stairs wrong. So um, you came down one flight of stairs and, and the stairs above you would get closer and closer and closer. And if you work uh, in that building every day, then you either have to duck your head or remember to duck at the right moment or continually bang your head. It's very important what we build our lives on, the values that we hold, the things that we believe in, our attitudes and our ideologies that underpin the way we go about our lives. Paul has begun in this letter to outline the profound truths of the gospel, that we've been chosen by God, that we're in Christ, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he's highlighted those truths as a blueprint for our lives, a good, solid foundation to build on. So it's crucial that we see and understand and interpret the plan of the Creator correctly. If we don't have a right view of our identity in God, our value to Him, and renewed thinking about our purpose, then our lives can start to get out of shape. Are there areas in your life where you keep tripping up or banging your head. The same old issues that keep coming back to haunt you. Maybe the blueprint has got slightly muddied. I believe as we look at the second half of Ephesians chapter 1, that God will help us to see things clearly. So before we read... Uh, let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you so much that we can gather in your name. Thank you for the freedom we have in this country to publicly gather to worship you. We thank you for that privilege. And we pray as we look at the truth of your word that you'd reveal yourself to us this morning. We pray for a dynamic in the power of the Spirit, that you, Holy Spirit, would bring these truths to life in our hearts. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read Ephesians 1, and we're going to start at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul starts here by saying, I've heard about your faith in Christ and your love for God's people. And he tells them in verse 16, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. He's praying a Trinitarian prayer. He's asking the glorious Father. He prays about the power that raised Christ from the dead. And his prayer is that they may receive the spirit or a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Whether you read that as um, receiving the spirit of wisdom and revelation or a spirit, um, we know that God's spirit is the source of all wisdom and revelation. And the Holy Spirit himself can give us insight and understanding. And why is Paul praying that? Because he wants believers to know God better and be able to see clearly, to comprehend what God has already done in Christ and to grasp the implications of all those things. Now, what about the phrase, the eyes of your heart? Jesus' words in Matthew 13 help us with this. So Jesus said, those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. He's making a distinction between your physical eyes and what they see and the eyes of your heart. What do you 
fully understand? What do you grasp? What do you get hold of in your spirit? Paul is praying that believers wouldn't be spiritually blind. Think about the disciple Judas. He spent three years with Jesus. He saw Jesus do amazing miracles, and yet he didn't truly get who he was alongside. God wants you to know in your heart. It's like the words that we use when we baptize people in water. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So that is the kind of heart knowledge, heart faith that Paul is talking about. And what does he want us to see? Well, he talks about three things. The hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and his incomparably great power. So we're going to look briefly at hope and riches, and then we're going to spend most of our time on God's power. Maybe we should pray that the power in the building doesn't go this morning. Uh, It hasn't gone so far, so that's good news. Firstly, hope. Knowing the hope to which he's called you. If you're a Christian, you've been called to salvation and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And that same hope is available to anyone. And for everyone who does put their trust and faith in Jesus, there's the sure and certain hope beyond death that we will be physically raised to life, to live with him forever in his eternal glory. So if you're a Christian here today, even though you may look fairly dead, give yourself a prod or you know maybe 100 volts or something like that, um, you're spiritually alive. I know the person next to you really doesn't look like it, but you are, you're spiritually alive, and, but one day you will be physically raised to life and new bodies and that, that'll be good, won't it? Um, This is the hope that God has called you to. And Paul prays that we will know it. Secondly, Paul talks about riches. Now, when we think about riches and the word inheritance, we can think about other parts of the New Testament where it talks about our inheritance in God. But notice here, Paul is talking about his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So it's God's inheritance, not actually primarily talking about us. That's because God's people are his inheritance. We are his treasure in whom he displays his glory. Paul prays that we would appreciate the extraordinary value that God places on us and the blessings that we receive because we're in God's family. These become ours, as as Andy said last week, because we've been adopted by God. Paul prays a second time later in Ephesians in chapter 3, and he says this, I'll read it to you. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep 
is the love of Christ. This echoes what we've just read in chapter 1, Paul's prayer for believers to deeply know the hope he's called them to and the rich blessings of being in God's family. Do you get it? Do you know it? Do you understand it? And then thirdly, Paul prays and he includes himself for us all to know and experience God's incomparably great power for us who believe. But what is this power that he's talking about? Well, Paul uses the Greek word dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamic. Hands up everyone who's dynamic. Good, thank some of you are not too modest, that's good. We should be confident in who God's made us to be. Power, that shows you're dynamic if you're willing to put your hand up. Um, power is energy, ability, strength. Do any of you feel weak or tired? Do you sometimes feel like, I haven't got the capacity to do it. I haven't got the capacity to tidy up again. I haven't got capacity to get that project done at work. I haven't got the capacity to revise for another exam. Well, humanly, that's where we need physical strength and energy. But Paul writes that we need power from God. Say power. power. Well done. He is the source of life and strength and energy for the followers of Jesus. Think about the power of the sun. Now, we're going to get a little bit technical. If, if, if you struggle with numbers, then just go with me. If you're a scientist, then I hope you enjoy this and correct me at the end if I'm wrong. Um, the sun emits about 3.86 times 10 to the 26, to the power 26. That's 10 times 10, 26 times. Watts of energy. Let me break that down for you in case you don't know how much that is. That is enough energy to melt a bridge of ice two miles wide and a mile thick that extends from the earth to the sun in one second. That's how much energy that is. Now, I thought that would have been quite a good opening ceremony for the Winter Olympics. <laughs> that kind of bridge leading to Pyeongchang and then, it w anyway, I digress. Now, let, let's zoom out a bit. The sun is one of 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy, yeah? Uh, which itself is one of at least an estimated two trillion galaxies in the known or visible universe, just what we can see. And each one of those contains on average, I don't know who works these things out, but give them a medal, on average, a, a, a billion stars. Oh, come on. That's, that's like a whoa. One, you know, the sun, 100 billion in our galaxy, 2 trillion galaxies, each containing on average a billion stars. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim 
the work of his hands. And then Isaiah 40, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. The scale and power of the universe display something of God's glory and power. I recently saw a BBC News article about a neutron star, or I think it might have been two neutron stars that collided. And a neutron star, for those of you that don't know, I didn't know, I had to look it up, is when a, a giant star um, collapses as a supernova and it becomes much, much denser. And that's what a neutron star is. It's time for my prop. If you can't see it, this is a teaspoon. Um, now, a teaspoon of neutron star material weighs a billion tons. A teaspoon. Now, I don't know who works these things out, um, but I trust them. Apparently, all the people alive on Earth now, some of you are alive, I can see you, um, weigh, and I don't know whether they, they collect us all together while we were asleep and put us on some scales, but apparently everyone alive on Earth weighs 375 million tons. So a third, a third the weight of a teaspoon of neutron star material. Um, I found that quite interesting. Now, just to... Just to blow our minds completely, and I've borrowed this from my, uh, he's not my friend, but I know of Louis Giglio. Uh, some of you may have seen him do this. If you imagine the earth is the size of a golf ball, the sun, our sun, not anybody else's, our sun is 15 feet across, okay? That's okay. Recently, they've discovered the largest star in the universe. It's not um, Canis Majoris. There's a bigger one than that. It's UY Scuti who comes up with these names. I think the UY is something to do with where it's located. Anyway, at this scale, if the Earth was the size of a golf ball and our sun is 15 feet across, UY Scuti is just under five miles across. So, um, uh, well, the Earth, compared to our sun, is like a dot. The sun, compared to UI Scooty, you can't even really see it. It's like a, it's like a pinprick. If UI Scooty was dropped in our solar system instead of the sun, it would engulf the orbits of Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and Jupiter. Pretty big. And it's nine and a half thousand light years away, a light year being 5.88 trillion miles that light can travel in a year. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. It's a long way away. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now, I don't know about you, but I think awesome is an overused word 
we can say, Ben, that's an awesome shirt. Or James's guitar playing is awesome. Now, it's good, James, but it's not that good. Our, no, don't, don't, don't make him feel good about himself. Um, our God is awesome. He is truly awesome. Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts would be open because God is so big, so powerful, so majestic that it's barely comprehensible how awesome he is. And yet, he's made himself known to us in his son, Jesus. Hebrews 1 says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, in the place of authority. So he became as much superior to the angels or the powers as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. These verses have a similar theme to what Paul writes in Colossians 1. Colossians is like the sister letter to Ephesians. And in it, Paul writes that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and that all the fullness of God dwells in him. Jesus created everything and right now he's sustaining everything by his powerful word. He keeps the stars burning, the earth turning, the planets in motion. He commands the oceans. He keeps your heart beating and our lungs breathing. But Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all life, laid down his own life for you and I, for the forgiveness of our sins. He didn't play dead. He didn't, like, you know, children do sleeping lions or sleeping bunnies or whatever kind of sleeping animal you play. Jesus wasn't faking. He was in a tomb for three days. But in the greatest demonstration of God's power, he raised Jesus from the dead and gave him authority over all things. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, we read it earlier. Jesus is now supreme over everything, over all rule, all authority, power, dominion, and every name. But that's not the end. This same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us who believe. The Greek word there for believe in verse 19 is a present participle. Now, if like me, you're not very good at English, I needed to look up what a present participle is. Some of you are laughing at me. Um, but it basically means uh, in the present and ongoing. So literally it means his incomparably great power for us believing. It emphasizes the need 
for active, continuing faith in taking hold of God's power. John Stott says, it's vital to see how Paul brings together the verbs to know and to believe. First, we can know God's incomparably great power demonstrated in Christ's resurrection and supremacy, but we can lay hold of it experientially for ourselves by faith. So Paul's praying not just for power for us to know something, but for us to take hold of it and believe it. So it's not enough just to say, oh yeah, I believed in Jesus 20 years ago. I, I, yeah, he did some amazing things a few years ago. Do you believe him now? Do you believe he has power to heal today? To redeem, to restore. I, I believe that. I believe he has that power. The same power that created the stars, that sustains all life, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and placed him over everything is available to us who are believing. Like the way that we trust that the sun will rise each morning, we should put our trust in Jesus every day. Jesus shines like the sun, bringing life and energy everywhere. Wherever his light shines, it fills the space completely, and we can see it, we can feel it, and we know the awesome power of it. John Piper says, God's glory is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It is the radiance of his purity and majesty that fills everything in every way. The church, that's us, by the way. If you're a believer, you're the church. We are Christ's body, and we are meant to represent Jesus in the world. It's a good job that Paul writes that Jesus fills everything in every way. It means we can be confident that he wants to fill us with his glory, even as he's, he himself is filled with his Father's glory. And so we should be full of faith that he wants to show his power we see all kinds of news stories, don't we, about misuse of power, power being used to dominate and exploit, and yet God always uses his power for the good of us and for everyone. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and made everything subject to him is available to us because Christ fills the church. So we have power to say no to sin. We have power in the name of Jesus to break the chains of sickness and, and oppression. And we have power to see lives transformed. So if your neighbor is sick, you can be confident to offer to pray for them and ask God to heal them. It doesn't mean they always get healed. We believe that God's kingdom came in Jesus and it's breaking in more and more, but it's not yet fully here. So we pray 
And sometimes people get healed and sometimes they don't. Some, some days we do well and we live a more holy life and other days we don't. We're in a battle and we still have to fight evil and temptation. We'll see more of how to do that when we get to Ephesians 6 after Easter. But Jesus has broken the power of sin's hold on us. And when he returns, he will do away with sin and death forever. So, let's come into land. If Jesus can create the universe, if he can calm storms, if he holds everything in place across infinite space, and if he controls the trillions of synapses in our brains, if he can do all those things, then don't you believe that he can heal today? Don't you think it's within his power to set you free from the things that have been holding you back or to set other people free from the life-controlling behaviors in their lives? He has power not just for miraculous healing in an instant, but also to change your heart or to change the hearts of the people that you're praying for. Changed hearts are sometimes harder to observe, but then it's no less real or powerful. And don't you think he has power to transform the place where you live, to change communities across Bristol and beyond? I believe he can. He holds the weight of neutron stars. He outshines UI Scooty. He raised Jesus from the dead, and he's exalted him to the highest place. So whatever we're asking for, whether it's big or small, if you have a headache and you're asking God to heal you, or if we're asking for buildings and facilities across the city, or we're asking God to lead us in how we serve people, whatever it is, he can do it, and he chooses to involve us. And do you know what our main involvement can be? It's not what you think. It's not what you achieve. It's not what you can do for God, but it's how much you believe. So we need to pick up Paul's example and pray. We can sometimes think of prayer as being like, oh, God's nearly done it, but he just needs a bit of a helping hand, so we'll pray. That's not how it is. Prayer is more like standing back uh, you know, you, maybe you're like a small child and you're trying to put uh, a very heavy bag in the overhead stowage compartment on a plane. You cannot do it. There is no way. But it's like a child saying to their father, please, or their mum, please pick this up and put it in there. That's what prayer is like. It's us standing back and saying, God, we can't do it, but please will you do it. And that's where our faith connects with his power and his ability to work. So it's as simple as that. Pray and obey. When God tells you to do something, do what he says. If he says, go and pray for someone, go and share something, go and help them, then do it. Maybe you're here today and you feel like your passion is dead or that your hope is gone or that your faith is on the floor. God has the power to make it live again. 
open the eyes of your heart to see who God is, his awesome power and his infinite love for you. And then ask him for what you need. He loves you and he wants to meet with you today. The world needs to know that there's hope. There's hope of forgiveness and freedom in Jesus. They need their eyes open to the riches of knowing Christ and being adopted in his family. And they need to see and experience God's power and love at work through us. So can we stand together and we're going to respond. If the band could come back. I can't with integrity talk about God's awesome power and not pray for God to show his power amongst us. So there's many ways that we can do this, but I'm just going to start with the simplest one, which is if praying if, if there's anyone who is sick or needs healing in any way. So I know we can be very English or British about this. So we can be, uh, you know, oh, can I pray about my owie elbow or my sore knee or my slight headache? Yes, you can. But you can, we can also pray. Some of you will be struggling with chronic illness or uh, something that's life-threatening. And so we're going to pray. And we're not going to hype anything up. We're not going to sing for 10 minutes and get all emotional. We're just going to ask. We're just going to come to our Father who's full of power, knowing that He loves us. So He loves you. He cares for you. And He loves to heal. So how, how you can participate in this is if there is a physical place on your body that you can lay a hand, if, if that's where you need healing. If it's your neck, put your hand on your neck. If it's your knee, whatever it is, place a hand there and we're just going to pray and ask God to come and heal. Father, we thank you so much for